Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. Thanks so much for tuning in to Movie Attic Headquarters. I'm your host, Betty Jo Tucker, speaking to you during this first week of June 2011. You're in for a real treat today, folks. Popular demand. We hope that Tyrone Power Jr. will pay us a return visit to talk about what it means to be a member of an iconic acting dynasty and to discuss his upcoming film, The Extra, as well as his other acting experiences. You know, when Ty was on the show during the tribute to actress Joan Benedict Steiger, he was such a big hit that many of you asked us to bring him back for an entire show of his own. So we hope that he does visit us today as as we have originally scheduled. And we're very excited about the possibility of talking about Ty, his career, and also the career of his um father, who was one of my favorite matinee idols when I was growing up, and we have lots of questions for him when he does call in, and if he does call in. But first, let's check to see if all the rest of the Movie Attic Headquarters gang are ready to help with the show, starting with the effervescent Danielle Dyer from Shiny Days, who signed on as our producer while Nikki Starr is recuperating, which means she's also our chat wrangler. Danny, is everything set in the chat room? Yes, everything is ready to go. Great, and thanks so much for uh, being with us, uh, Danny. I know all of us are sending best wishes to Nikki to get well soon, but we're really happy to have you with us while she's recuperating. And thanks to the people who signed up to chat, as well as our other listeners, we really appreciate them. And we also appreciate Jazz Shaw, our savvy co-host, and renowned film critic Diana Sanger from Classic Movie Guide, who will be helping us with the interview today. Diana is almost a member of the Movie Attic Headquarters family because she's been on the show so many times, and we love having her. Hi, Diana. Hi, Betty Jo. Glad to be back. Well, we're glad you could be here. Um, I know that you have, as uh, the founder and editor of Classic Movie Guide and a, and a fan of so many classic movies, I know that you have a lot of questions that you want to ask uh, Ty if he calls in today. Um, but before you and I start talking about uh, the old, the elder Tyrone Power, <laughs> let's make sure that Jazz is also set to go. Jazz, are you ready to find out more about Tyrone Power Jr. and Tyrone Power and their movies? I certainly hope so. And I, I have to get uh, Diana's phone number and her email and, and, and get her on the line to give me advice because I've been, I've been renting some really bad movies from Netflix lately, and I, I think I need more expert advice. I, I just got uh, The Black Swan. i got to tell you, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. 
Holy cow, I, I wish someone had steered me away from this. See, you should have been there. Why didn't you talk to me? Oh, my. There's an hour of my life I'll never get back. Now, I wait a minute. I think Betty liked it better than me. Oh, wait a minute. Are you talking about the film Black Swan with Natalie Portman and yes. Mila Kunis? Or are you talking about the Black Swan with Tyrone Power? No, no, with, no, no. And the with Maureen O'Hara. <laughs> no, no. Oh. The, the, the one from this year's Oscar lineup. Oh, dear. I'm sure Tyrone Powers was better. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> oh he must gosh. have been, yes. <laughs> it was. It was a, it was a fabulous, fabulous <laughs> movie. And um, so so many of um, Ty Power Jr.'s dad's films were were just great. And he made, I think, over 50 films. And everyone was just absolutely shocked when when he died of a heart attack at the age of 44 and he was making the movie Solomon and Sheba I think yeah I'm pretty sure that was the that was the movie that he was in but I just was such a fan uh because of course I was at a very impressionable age when I started watching the films of Tyrone Power there were two movies that I can remember seeing as a very young child, and they made quite an impression on me and may have started me on my way <laughs> to movie movie addictdom. <laughs> one, of course, was Frankenstein, which I've already talked about on this show and just horrified me but fascinated me at the same time. And the other one was a film in 1938 called Alexander's Ragtime Band, and that was Tyrone, let's see, Tyrone Power was in it, Donna Michi, Alice Faye, Ethel Merman, uh, Jack Haley, and it was uh, partially written, I think, by by Irving Berlin. It had about oh, it had great songs, and I think that started me out, you know, with this this love of movie musicals. I can trace it back to Alexander Rag, Alexander's Ragtime Man. Ethel Merman, that was, that was the film. first. Yeah. Oh, I oh, I'm so glad you liked that film. Ethel Merman was that was the first time that she worked with Irving Berlin, and she sang Heat Wave in that film. And Irving Berlin was just so taken with Ethel Merman that he told her that he was going, you know, he really wanted to work with her in the future. And you know, the rest is history <laughs> with Call Me Madam and Annie Get Your Gun and those songs in that in that film. Uh, Blue Skies, Easter Parade, A Pretty Girl is Like a Melody. And, of course, when they asked Irving Berlin what was his favorite song from the movie, he said the title song, <laughs> which was Alexander's Ragtime Band. So that was one that I really, really enjoyed. And um, he's, he then, as a teenager... I was just bowled over by by one of Tyrone Power's films that I could just see over and over again, and it's um, Blood and Sand. It's the movie that he made with Rita Hayworth, Linda Darnell, and Anthony Quinn, and he played this matador who, you know, came, it's sort of a rags-to-riches kind of story. Do you remember that one, Diana? Vaguely, I do remember seeing that. I think I reviewed it on my site, but it's not coming back to me. Too many movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry that one isn't coming back to you because that one, 
that is that is one of his best. And I think it was the first uh, time I saw Rita Hayworth in a film. And oh, I she remember, was just so. I remember it had great cinematography too. Yeah. I think, for its it time. Had great. It really did. It had great cinematography, very lush uh, visuals, and wonderful music. And uh, Tyrone Power was just perfect for this uh, rising matador. And then he he had this beautiful, uh, oh, sort of just so shy, Linda Darnell that he married. And then he fell for this society lady played by uh, Rita Hayworth. And things went bad, <laughs> both fighting in the afternoon was death, and Rita Hayworth was, at night was death. <laughs> Juan Gallardo was was Tyrone Power's name, and he was absolutely fabulous in that film, as was Anthony Quinn and everyone. So, listeners, I think you can probably get that on Netflix. So put Blood and Sand on uh, on your Netflix queue. Have you seen that one, Jazz? Uh, I Believe it or not, I think that's one in the lexicon I did not see. And I would remind the listeners, if you're putting that in your Netflix queue, do not confuse that with Blood and Sand from the Stars lineup, which was a recent uh, series that came out, which was also quite good but very, very different, which was about gladiators uh, in uh, pre-Christian era Rome, uh, which was a a very well-done series. I thought certainly not uh, for a younger audience, very mature, a lot of gore and everything, but... uh, uh, they they sold the exact same name, so I'll just let people to you know keep keep an eye out. Make sure you get the right one. So oh yes yes, be sure you get the one with with Tyro ah. Power. Well, I think we have we may have have another caller here, and it might just be Ty. Let me let me check and see. Hello, area code uh, three hundred. Uh, you've reached Movie Addict headquarters. Who's who is calling? Yes, this is Ty. Can you hear me, Betty? Um, I can hear you, but um, but it's not coming in too clearly. Uh, do you want to let, try? Let me, sp- let me try this. How's this? Better? That's better. No? Yeah, that's better. Okay. Oh, I'm so glad to hear your voice, Ty. We've just been lo- looking forward to having you on the show, and we we want to welcome you back to Movie Attic Headquarters. You've had so many people. Many of your fans who have been asking for you to come back for to do an entire show of your own. So Aww. welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters. Well, that's a very nice thing to say. Thank you. you I feel great now. I was uh, a little uh, bejammered there. I had some technical difficulties, and I, I actually couldn't hear the show, but I assume you were vamping beautifully and uh, building some delicious tension before I uh, get on here. So, uh, <laughs> we But were I'm very glad to that. see you. <laughs> we were vamping, and and uh, Diana Sanger, who is the uh, editor and founder of Classic Movie Guide, is is with us today, and she's eager uh, to ask you some questions because she cannot stay on uh, uh, for the full show. So I'm going to uh, turn the floor over to Diana. Diana, um, go ahead and ask the questions that you you wanted to ask Ty, so so that we can um, let you go uh, because you do have something else that you've been scheduled for. Okay. Hi, Ty. It's so wonderful to be Hi, able to Diana. speak with you. Nice I want to speak know to you. what is – thank you. I Thank you. Um, you know, you can't go on IMDb without finding hundreds of things by all of the Tyrone Power, so I wanted to know what it's like being in this uh, you know, amazing family with this huge film repertoire. 
Well, it's, uh, you know, it's funny. Apart from people that really um, know film, it's, it's almost shocking how many people aren't aware of my father now. I mean, I, there's just such a short attention span. I think I read in a paper the other day that there, somebody did a survey and there was a, some kind of shocking percentage of the American, young American public didn't know who the Beatles were. I mean, it's just crazy. So wow. I, it's not something I, I live with every day. And I, uh, like everybody else, I get up and look in the mirror and brush my teeth and, you know, stare at this face all day long. So, um, it, but then again, occasionally some I'll be in a store and uh, give a credit card to somebody and they'll go, oh, my God, I'm such a fan of your father's movies. And, that, and that's, that's kind of wonderful. Yeah, it is wonderful. And it's true, you know, we have grandkids and I tell them I'm going to be interviewing somebody or writing about somebody and they'll go, well, who is that? And I said, you need to sit down and start watching. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't ten minutes ago, yeah. Yeah. Do you have a favorite of your father's films? I have several. You know, i got to say I think probably Witness for the Prosecution is my favorite. Yeah. But I sure do love... Uh, Nightmare Alley as well, which was his favorite. Ah. And um, I love, uh, I you know, I'm a sucker for blood and sand. It, it, you know, it's just yeah. a great, fun, fun movie. We just, we just talked also, about that also, while we were waiting for you. The, the Black Swan is fun, too. I actually got to see that last year. In one of the original Technicolor prints, which they showed up in Hollywood, you know, they've, they've preserved and saved all of those movies digitally and, and actually uh, done a beautiful job uh, even enhancing the color. But, and, and the studio has given the original prints out and said, run these as much as you can because they're going to fall apart and there's no saving them. And I got to watch wow. one of the original prints, and it was just beautiful. That's great. We have to get those into the Turner Classics Film Festival. Oh, I wish you would. I wish you would. They're great, great films. And and Diana started to mention that we we before you called in, Ty, we I was just uh, raving about Blood and Sand. So I'm glad that you picked that as one of your as one of your favorites. Now that uh, Nightmare Alley was the film that um, that your dad got. I think the most favorable reviews for. And it was quite a deviation, wasn't it, from his from his usual adventure swashbuckling roles? Am I right about that? Oh, absolutely. He, well, he, he had to fight Daryl Zanuck tooth and nail to get him to let him do that movie, and I think had to promise him uh, a whole bunch of other romantic leads where he was, you know, the pretty leading man, uh, in order to to get permission to do this role that was very dark and different and, and uh, uh, presented in a totally different light. But he, my father, to his credit, one of the things I admire most about him was a really dedicated actor. He really, he, he always said by his own admission, he became a movie star long before he became an actor. But he, rather than resting on his laurels and saying, hey, I'm making a mint here, uh, the ladies love me, I get to go to the you know, 
uh, get movie after movie. He really dedicated himself to being better and, and trying new things. And um, Larry Olivier was his very close friend, and, and Olivier was in awe of my father's stardom, and my father was in, in awe of Olivier's acting ability and constantly trying to, to improve himself. So uh, that Nightmare Alley was his favorite for that reason. He got to really do something uh, different. And witness for the prosecution, he was he was excellent in in that too. That I I was going to mention that as one of my favorites too. But I didn't mean to interrupt Diana. Go ahead. Oh no, no problem. Before I ask my next question, I just wanted to say what I love about watching your father in these films is that not only did he really seem to have a joy in what he was doing, but that joy kind of personified his character, and you always believed he was who he was portraying. That was amazing. Amazing. I agree. Well, yeah. I, I well agree said. with you. I agree with you. There, I, you know, it's almost there are almost two different things that work there. The believability factor comes from his acting background, and my grandfather, who's who was in movies and and um, kind of coached my father through his early career, uh, really instilled that in him, and, and really he would take him out and you know. Running, running through his paces and and making learn um, how to really be believable, and the joy aspect, you know, I think that was part of my father's personality anyway. But it also uh, one thing I love about him in in these roles, I, you know, especially a lot of the early roles, the the more uh, fluffy ones, he didn't take it so seriously or take himself so seriously. He, there was an element of poking fun at himself um, that I, I find really great. And he just had this kind of devil-may-care smile. and um, Oh, for didn't, sure. Didn't, yeah. Yeah, he was a real ladies' man. <laughs> so right. if you could star in a remake of any of your father's films, which one would it be, Ty? Oh my God, that's a that is, you know, I don't know that I've ever been asked that. That's a real toughie because I'm <laughs> not it to a Diana. Real <laughs> that's why that's tough. I'm not a real believer in remakes, and we aren't either usually. <laughs> especially, you know, it's been done well, but my feeling generally is if they did it right. You're setting yourself up for a fall, and, and you know why? Why do it again? There are so right. many good writers out there that don't get a chance. Come up with something new, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I would say if I had to pick one, it might not be one of my favorites of his. I'd probably pick one that was fun to do, like a like a Blood and Sand or a, a yeah. you know one of the Washbuckling movies or something. Yeah, um, I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see a remake of Blood and Sand I mean, they, with they, with Tyrone Power Jr. They tried <laughs> that, to that do, would be you know, I don't know if you saw we, Razor's Edge, and, and honestly, Bill Murray's one of my favorite actors in the world, but that was just awful. That remake um, they did several years ago. Oh, Razor's Edge, yeah. That that didn't work. So, that didn't work at all. I I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, the hard fact. I mean, who's going to dare? What actor is going to dare uh, 
renege Casablanca or something. You're just setting yourself up for total abject failure. Oh, we've heard rumors. People are thinking about it. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they've thought about it. Listen, I've heard more plans. Oh, we're going to make Casablanca, but we're going to set it in, uh, you know, wherever, Acapulco or I I don't know. And I just said, that is just such a bad idea. Don't well, that's there. that's the Jazz's favorite movie, and I'm sure he doesn't want anybody to uh, to touch that I, one. I think there well, actually there should be an act of Congress. That we should just have a law: there shall be no remakes of Casablanca. We're done. Okay, that, that's it. Right. I will. Yeah. I will, like, uh, I'll vote for that. I'll vote for that too. Well, I know Diana like has to has to has to leave a little early. So, um, Diana, was there anything else that you you would like to say before you uh, take off? Um, no, I apologize for having to leave, and I, I'm sorry I'm not going to hear the rest, but I can hear it on your your um, newscast Archive. later, huh? Yeah. Right, right. We'll send Thanks you a link. Thanks for joining us. I, I appreciate talking to you, Ty. Very nice talking to you. Have a wonderful and day. And I'm looking forward to seeing Extra. Yes, that's what we're going to talk <laughs> about <laughs> next. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank Bye, you. Bye, Diana. Thanks bye bye. for thanks for being with us. Bye bye. And now, okay. Jazz. I think uh, speaking of the extra, I think you have some questions for Ty about this upcoming film. So, so you're on. Uh, we do want to get to that, and but real real fast, Ty. Before we do, because uh, everybody brought this up, I was just curious. I, I was a, a big fan of the swashbuckling films as a young man, and and I love the classic oh, films. I, I I just wanted to get your impression. What do you think about that genre? in the modern era and the young audiences? Because what do we have to draw on in that if we're not looking at something like Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean? Is the swashbuckling era dead in film? Has it just gone somewhere else? Do you approve of, of what's happening? Or I don't. You know what? I don't think it's dead at all. I think it has to be tackled a little differently now because the audience is so different. I mean, if you, you're... Remember back in those days, you're talking about people uh, uh, coming out of the Depression. Um, it's also uh, not connected the way that we are now. I mean, most uh, people uh, in audiences have got uh, had some information from newspapers and radio, uh, and that was it. Um, now, within seconds, we know exactly... Uh, what's going on in the entire planet and who's wearing what and who showed up at what party last night. We're sort of a more sophisticated, jaded bunch now. But I don't think that precludes fantasy. And I think the pendulum has kind of swept a little too far towards gritty, dark reality. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to swing back. I think there's really room for some innocence on screen. But it it has to be done... In a um, in a way that doesn't insult the audience or treat them like children, I, I think uh, there's totally room for that. I think I'm looking for it. I, I hope you're right because I, I would certainly love to see that. Uh, but for limits of time, we we do want to move on to the the curtain stuff. You're still very busy, and sure. uh, Diana and Betty Joe already made mention. Uh, you have the extra coming up, and uh, we've been discussing it in previous shows, waiting uh, to have you on here. Uh, if you could first just give us a little bit of quick background. How did that come about? How did you get involved and make the decision to uh, to go ahead and accept this role and and take the lead in this and get involved in this project? Oh, well, the usual sort of network of uh, phone calls and somebody called me up and said, 
I was speaking with um, so-and-so, the producer, and they have a wonderful script they just wrote. And he, he, I mentioned your name. He was very interested, and they sent me the script. And, and I sort of um, looked at it through my fingers as I do most scripts that I get because there's, there uh, there's a lot of really awful stuff out there. <laughs> and, um, but this one, I just uh, kept turning pages and going, wow, this is just charming and wonderful and really fun. Uh, how about the how about how about your character? Could could you just you know give people who want want a taste of it before they go see it a little uh, little background on on your character and and maybe you know how, how do you put yourself in a place mentally where you're prepared to uh, to, to play that sort of a role? Well, he's, uh, the character is uh, you know virtually the world's biggest movie star, which uh, ah. uh, wasn't a uh, difficult place for me to put my head because that's kind of uh, my fantasy world that I live in uh, on a daily <laughs> basis, which drives my wife crazy. Um, but um, so yeah, he's, he's the world's biggest movie star and uh, making millions and lives in a big mansion and is a little disillusioned because he doesn't have any real friends. They're all hangers on and his girlfriend's kind of a gold digger and he's he's waking up, you know, Drunk, uh, waking up hungover every morning by the pool, and 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 ends up going back um, and looking for old friends, and from the days when he was an extra, and signs up for this website to find them, and they call him, thinking he's an extra, and he ends up going on a call and becoming an extra, and they don't recognize him, and he has a blast, <laughs> hide, sort of hiding in incognito. <laughs> Double identity. It's not that big a stretch. That happens all all the time. I run down to the store. I live in Malibu, and I'll see uh, someone. I'll go, God, that looks like Sam Elliott, but I'm not sure. (laughs) And then I I find out it is. So, um, yeah, they they think he looks like this actor, but he isn't the one. Anyway, it's it's really fun, and uh, it's a wonderful role. Good comedy. And and comedy is generally... Pretty much the hardest part of the art, uh, as we try to tell all the people that are uh, that, that are trying to get into the industry. Um, speaking of that, uh, we, we we do get Betty Joe gets a lot of, of folks who are either in the industry or trying to get in. A lot of students and things like that. Um, if you just give us a flavor of behind the scenes uh, when you're making when you're when you're shooting a film and and you've done this enough. Uh, did, did you run into any either amusing or very informative or instructive things that happened on this that people could take something away from? I try to run into as much that's instructive on any movie set, whether I'm, I mean, the first thing I did was Cocoon, and it was a, a cast that, that included, oh my God, Hugh Cronin, Jessica Tandy, Wilfred right. Brimley, Gwen Burden, Donna Michi. So that was, wow. uh, I mean, um, that was like a college seminar. I mean, just to get to talk to those people. Uh, so I mostly shut up and listened and watched and absorbed. But what, whatever set I'm on, I try to, if, if the actors are boring me, I'll go over and watch what the camera guy is doing and learn how he's setting up his shots. And um, I try to learn as much as possible just because it's, Number one, it passes the time better than standing at the craft service table eating snicker bars. And it also, uh, it, it serves you later on. It really does. Try to learn as much as possible. 
So uh, w- would you advise people who might be considering a uh, a career in acting to get involved in those other aspects? Because I, I haven't done any acting, but I, but I have been involved in some of the other areas. Like, you know, you know, what does the filmmaker do? What does the grip do? What does the best boy do? I mean, you know, did... Do you think people should, you know, jump in and try to know all those roles, or is that a distraction from, you know, practicing your craft as a, as an actor? No, not all of those roles. I mean, I, I, I you know, I take things that pertain to what you're doing. I'm not that interested in, in who's plugging what um, lights into what socket, but I am interested in um, the camera work, um, how he's setting up the lighting, where, what, how he's angling the shots, and I'm, I'm at the point now, and I'm by no means, you know, uh, as seasoned as, as a lot of people are, but I can engage in a shorthand with the director of photography and say, you know, what about a two-shot here? What about uh, having me step over to this doorway? And it, it helps everybody. If an actor can do more than just stand there and say his line. Um, and he'll go, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, or say, no, it doesn't work. But uh, I, I try to learn, and it also helps you as an actor know where to put your face, because that camera's right up your nose. Uh, <laughs> a, a question, it, it really is. It's a, a question of a couple of millimeters of where your head's turned and what your eyes are doing are, can make a huge impact. So it's smart to know. Uh, don't just feel the character. Know what the camera's seeing. Well, everybody, listen I, I up. Just, you, now, you, now you've got the uh, the advice from somebody who's been there. Right, and very good advice, uh, advice indeed. And I just love the concept of uh, the extra. I think that could be a very, very funny comedy. So I'm looking forward to it. Do you have any release date yet? I, I think it's still in post-production, right? Yeah, it is. They apparently they've locked the picture, they've color corrected, and they now uh, the music guy has it. They're scoring it and adding songs and whatnot, which is of course hugely important. Uh, you know, I watched a funny documentary the other day where they took scenes from some of the best movies you've ever seen in your life, and they simply cut out the music. And you can't believe oh, how yeah. boring. They were so well, I, I know the music is so important. I remember reading I, about when they like. uh, first showed the the. Lost what is the name of that? Every... I would love to see that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't remember all, um, off the top of my head, but it was. I, I was shocked at how, you know. But that is a, that break. is something that the, the music makes makes so much of a difference in the film. And as I started to say, when they first showed the Lost Weekend, the movie that won Ray Land his uh, Oscar, they um, didn't they didn't have music, and it was just everybody just hated it. And so they you know, went back and um, you know put a musical score in it, and then it it just went over right. with a bang and became very very successful. So. The music is so important, but so well, you're not sure. I we would, would I maybe, very, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just wondering. Will it be then sometime next year? Do you think that we can see the extra? Uh, I think well, they'll probably uh, be in the fall. I'd certainly by by September. I'm thinking maybe sometime in August. Oh, great, great. Well, we'll we'll keep watching for that because I um, we really want to want to see that particular movie. And I uh, think that we've been neglecting our chatters. 
who might have some questions and comments for you, Ty. So I'm going to call on Danny and see if she can give us a report on what's happening in the chat room. Danny, can um, can you come on now and uh, let us know if there uh, if there are any questions or comments from chatters? Yes, Morning Coffee has a wonderful question. She says that Tyrone Power was originally cast in Solomon and Sheba. She wants to know if it's true that he died practicing a sword fight for that movie. Yoel Browner was cast. That's uh, Morning morning Coffee? Yes. That's... That's one we have. Uh, we have uh, little names that that we uh, put right. in the chat room. We may no, not put our. If, if that's a real name, well, that's outstanding. I would name my child Morning Coffee. I think that's. Great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's and Morning Coffee is one of our is one of our loyal listeners. So very good question, <laughs> Morning Coffee. We're we're happy that you're there and that then that you gave us that question. So, uh, what's the answer, Ty? The answer is that is absolutely correct. Yes, he was shooting Solomon and Sheba. Uh, they were in Spain, outside of Madrid. Um, my father was doing a, uh, actually rehearsing a dueling scene with George Sanders, and uh, started to not feel well. And they took him to his trailer, and he collapsed. And uh, by the time they got him to Madrid, now. Strangely, as I understand it, there was no doctor on the set, which I find kind of shocking on a studio picture, particularly when they're out in the boondocks in Spain. But he he was gone by the time they got him to uh, the hospital in Madrid. But that's absolutely true. And then Yul Brenner, uh, back when he actually had his own hair, uh, I don't think it was a wig, he replaced him. Wow, that was so shocking! Everyone in Hollywood and all of the fans, we were, we were so shocked because um, your father died at I think it was age forty four, correct? He was, he was only forty four, but I, I also want to, I mean, as an addendum, I'll tell you really uh, something about Yul Brenner that I just so adore and admire Yul Brenner for. Um, he came back to Los Angeles for my father's funeral, and of course there were thousands of fans. It was one of the biggest funerals that I mean since uh, Valentino or somebody. Yes. Uh, there were just thousands of people, and uh, Yule's car, his limousine pulled up, and he got out, and the crowd began cheering him uh, because he was the star of the movie and because they loved him, and he uh, actually raised his hand and quieted the crowd and said, no, 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 this is not a time to cheer me. This is a time to mourn my dear friend. This is not about my success. This is a time to mourn my dear friend and think of him. And I just think that's one of the classiest things I ever heard. That is very classy. Good good for him. Well, uh, Ty, you've appeared in, I think, over, close to 20 other movies besides uh, the extra coming up. And I was just wondering, and Cocoon that you mentioned, but I was just wonder, wondering out of the movies that you've been in, do you have any favorites? You know, I... Shag's got to be one of my favorites. I love that movie. That was just <laughs> so us. much fun. It was 
so much fun to work on, and and, and it's such a fun little movie. Uh, and it's got a great little cult following. People just love it because it's 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 fun and innocent without being schmaltzy. And uh, there's great music in it and a great young cast. And uh, it's got a it's got a wonderful following. You have people that I've, I've had their grandkids come up because they love it so much. And they show it to their grandkids and they love it. So that's one of my favorites. But I find something in every movie that makes it my favorite. I, I look forward to each one. I, you know, it, it's a new life, a new adventure. Each one. Well, S H A Q, right? That's how you spell the title of that film. S H A G. Well, we're going to ask our listeners to be sure and check on that film too. And this is kind of a piggybacking on some some of the things that uh, Jazz asked you about, but um, what do you think are the most important characteristics needed to be a successful actor? I would say uh, stamina. Stamina, um, okay. Uh, thick skin, determination, um, dedication to working hard at what you're doing. Uh, you know, I, I heard an interview on the, on the radio the other day. It was really good. I just caught the tail end of it, and there was somebody, it was a big producer, somebody like Jerry Burkheimer, although I don't know if it was him. And they were asking, what you know, what are the keys to your keys to success? And he said, you have to be impatient but not to the point of um, recklessness. You have to keep that fire burning, keep being impatient, but not so much so that you make bad decisions. And then you have to have luck. I mean, at a certain point, it comes down to luck. It's, yeah. it's, but when, when luck comes calling, uh, you have to make sure you're prepared. Right, stamina and looks and uh, patience. And, 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 and be willing to uh, get a lot of rejection and still believe in yourself. So a thick skin helps. Yeah. <laughs> if you're going to get rejected, you need you to have, have an attitude. You have to have a thick and a thin skin at the same time because you have to remain open and, and sensitive to the world and and vulnerable and emotionally available, but at the same time uh, not be so fragile that you, you get your teeth kicked in every time someone says they don't like what you did. So uh, it's, it's a balancing act between those two. Right, right. And and I was wondering if you're involved in any other projects you'd, you'd like to mention. I heard that you once thought about uh, singing as a career. Has uh, Have you thought any more about that? No, you know, I love singing, and um, more than that, I, I play uh, I play and write music, but that's mostly for fun. I think that, uh, honestly, as, as nutty as the acting business is, uh, I, I think the music industry would just scare the bejesus out of me. I, that seems crazy, Although, but I love music, and I love getting together with musicians and playing and, and singing. But right now, I'm uh, mostly acting. I, I just went and did a little cameo yesterday on a movie called Mansion of Blood, which is a tongue-in-cheek uh, horror movie with Gary Busey and a whole bunch of crazy, fun people. And uh, it's really kind of a campy, 
who done it in a big mansion and the bodies start piling up and uh, it's it's kind of fun. And I just did a couple <laughs> of quick scenes in that yesterday. And uh, I'm busy actually writing and producing right now. I'm working with a, a wonderful writer named Michael Schlau here in L.A. And we're researching and writing a project uh, tentatively entitled Hollywood 39, which is a, uh, a love story, a political story, a whodunit, a, a glamour, um, politics, um, all kinds of stuff in, in set in 1939 in Hollywood. Uh, Ty, Ty, I, I, I got to ask you one question since you mentioned that project, yeah. Mansion of Blood, which, which I had already heard about. Um, Gary Busey, since you've done at least a little bit of work with him, is that guy as scary in real life as he seems in all of his interviews and his roles and everything else he does, or is that mostly an affectation? <laughs> I don't. I don't know. No, I don't really know. I, he wasn't uh, on set the day that I worked. Uh, I, I I actually saw him in the supermarket the other day. He didn't, he didn't look that scary, but uh, I, I can't answer that. I, okay, I, really I was can't. just curious. I like We want to have Gary Busey on our show and and see see if he's scary. But you know, I can't believe that our time is almost up, Ty. And I want to thank you for being such a terrific well, guest today. Fun. You really made the time fly by. Will you come back and um, you know you have a standing invitation whenever you have a film or a project you'd like to talk about. Will you do that? Well, I'd love to. I was I was saying to my wife before this, I, I don't know what I'm going to say for, for that long. And now I'm looking at the clock going, we could have, we could have gone twice as long. That Absolutely, really we <laughs> we we would love to have you back, and 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 we look forward to it. But it's time to wrap things up with a big shout out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio and at WRSP nine three six for their support. Thanks again to Ty Power for his entertaining and enlightening interview, and to Jazz, Danny, and Diana for their welcome help today. Special thanks also to our chatters and other listeners. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. I really thought it was a lot of fun talking with uh, Tyrone Power, and I hope that he comes back again. Dear listeners, please come back next time when our guest will be Brendan Wayne, who's appearing in the upcoming Cowboys and Aliens flick, along with Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig. Brendan just happens to be the grandson of the great John Wayne Pilgrims. In the meantime, don't forget to check out our film reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. Here's Kenny Loggins to take us out with one of our favorite numbers. Get ready, everyone. Here comes Footloose.
the cat.